1: Welcome to episode 256 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Technically, it is still Thursday as we start recording. It will not be Thursday in a few minutes, but Eric Cole is here and uh, a nice breezy win, if you want to say that. It was definitely some tense moments, but the Braves end up winning this game by a margin that is much larger than it felt at times. Welcome to the podcast, Eric Cole.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely different from the last postseason podcast that i did where you know it felt like it was gonna be an easy win followed by you know complete and total clencher of a ninth inning that almost let them get away with it instead of kind of you know a couple tense moments that definitely felt made it made the the 8-2 score feel a lot closer than it should have been and uh but you know it worked out braves played really well tonight so it, it, was, a, it was a lot of fun following this one for sure
1: absolutely and of course the final score of 10-2 to two uh a monumental win for the Braves. And honestly, this is the game on paper, as we mentioned last night on the on the show, and as many people did, it wasn't just us saying this. Uh this was the most lopsided game against the Braves on paper. But baseball games are not, are not played on paper. And uh the biggest reason why the Braves won this game, aside from you know of course Marcelo Zuna was a huge part of it. The offense did wake up at times, but the the hero of the night still was Bryce Wilson one of your favorite sons? A, a a Braves prospect? I'll just say this before I toss it to you: the fox the fox booth spending ninety minutes in Game Three talking repeatedly about how the Braves didn't have a starter for Game Three, despite Bryce Wilson already being announced several hours earlier, which I made fun of last night on the podcast. That feels even funnier now because Bryce Wilson came out and shoved, throwing six innings, one one hit, one walk, one earned run, five strikeouts, six sorry seventy four pitches. And uh, just a heroic effort, frankly for
2: uh, before I get to Bryce, this booth has like been shockingly bad i mean <laughs> I, I mean you and I have like kind of gone back and forth on Twitter about this as to whether or not this booth is worse than the a rod booth it's and awful. I understand i I under, see, i don't I don't it's know awful. man it's pretty bad it's awful I mean like Smoltz, like going on and on about how you know if the Dodgers lose this game, then they're gonna win a game seven, and
1: yeah, that was you know, that and, was like, bad t- I will say think, that that was terrible. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: and Smoltz was still talking about, I mean, like I'm hearing people like talking about his bunting. Like I've had them muted for most of the time. And every time I unmuted it to like, you know, like listen to, you know, to, to listen to something happen when they're doing it on replay or something, I immediately regretted that decision every single time. Now that said, uh, Bryce, he was amazing, man. He was just commanding his fastball, both sides of the plate. Uh, the changeup, like flashed plus enough to where like, it was really keeping those lefties honest. He had a couple hard hit balls that, you know, found some gloves, uh, that kind of helped him out a little bit made one bad pitch like to, to Rios. And that was pretty much it. He, yeah. you know, other than that, it was just, he was, he was striking guys out. He mowed. I mean, like, you know, the fifth inning that we were all like, you know, he'll probably get this one. That'll probably be it. He struck out the side and I'm just like, good God. And like, you know, This is something really fun could happen because it did feel like that the Braves from start to finish outplayed the Dodgers in this game. It wasn't again. It wasn't one of those fluky things where it just felt like, you know, the Braves just took advantage of like their one, like a couple opportunities that they managed to scrap together and get a win. It's like from start to finish. They were like the bats were better. The innings were better. And like Bryce was mowing guys down. And again, it was mostly off that fastball, but the curveball looked pretty good, too. Change up, you know, again, like, you know, sometimes it's just kind of a show me pitch for him, but he threw a few good ones too, and that kind of I think that kept some guys off off sitting off his fastball, and you know, he was commanding the fastball well enough, despite what I will generous generously describe as an inconsistent strike zone from the other <laughs> yeah, home point. Like with a with a, a truly bad umpire tonight, like it didn't look like it. He just handled his business. And, you know, again, another situation where like in the last series from uh, in the last series, when you get Kyle, Wright going deep into a game that really kind of li- like secures, a, a, secures a sweep. Um, and then you have Bryce in a game where you just absolutely have to kind of get some, some innings because otherwise tomorrow's really tough when you have, if you have to really straight strain your bullpen, he just goes six innings and it's just, he did it. It looked, it looked easy. He didn't walk anybody, you know, again, the one solo homer is just on the one bad pitch that just kind of left over the middle of the plate. He was, he was great. And, you know, you know, will will he always be that good? I, I am skeptical. But at the same time, you know, I, I certainly don't feel bad about potentially running him out there in another playoff situation, which, you know, very well could happen on this playoff run. I'm not certainly not gonna jinx it, but you know, it, it certainly felt good to kinda have him go out there and shove like that because it makes tomorrow feel you know, other than obviously winning the game, it makes tomorrow feel easier to manage than what it would have been if you had the really textured bullpen tonight.
1: Yeah. We're obviously all hoping to see Bryce Wilson again, because if that happens, it would be in the world series. Um, but yeah, he was fantastic. I don't have that much to add. I I was encouraged by the fact that he basically just came out and was aggressive and pounded the zone. And, you know, there's no law that says he had to be incredible doing that. Um, but the fact that he wasn't walking the ballpark and wasn't, uh, letting the Dodgers off the hook was significant. He pitched quite well. He had life on he had life on his pitches. I'm not a pitching expert, nor have I seen Bryce Wilson as much as you have in my life, but, uh, Anyone that will tell you that they were predicting this from Bryce Wilson tonight is probably lying. Um, there were some more encouraging uh, outlooks from some people on Bryce, and I thought, you know, I wasn't burying him. We did mention that he was capable of doing this, but not even not even the biggest optimist, I would say, was projecting what he gave you, because he was genuinely outstanding. We'll touch on a couple of the decisions and all that stuff, but getting six innings out of him, number one, is huge, and one run is just speaks for itself, like... <laughs> I would have taken, honestly, coming into the night, I think I would have been pretty pleased if he gave the Braves three innings of one-run ball. And I think I even said that. It's point on Twitter. Like, if he gives you three innings with one run, that's, that's probably a win. And he doubled that with one run. So the bullpen savings, like you said, the fact that they were just great innings, all of that stuff... Him combined with Enoa from last night, who I know we lauded quite a bit, Scott and I last night. But we're saying again that was a huge effort from Enoa last night to save the bullpen. And now that they didn't Big need, all, they, they didn't need, they, they didn't need all those guys today. But as we'll talk about later on, the only guy now in the bullpen that has pitched two days in a row is Shane Green, and they clearly are not seeing Shane Green as a super high leverage guy right now for whatever reason. So you're going into a game five. After this uncertain night on game four with all of your big guns available, presumably, and that is a huge outcome in addition to getting the win. So yeah, we'll dive in now. But I want to start with with Bryce because that was obviously a a fantastic effort, the biggest night of his professional baseball career. And uh, he stepped up in a huge way to help the Braves get this win. Um, We'll go sort of blow-by-blow blow now for a little bit. Uh, early on, we talked about Bryce already, but uh, his pitch, you know, he kept the pitch count really low, which was encouraging. Nine pitches in the first inning, nine in the second inning, uh, eight in the third inning. Uh, no, sorry, 12 in the third inning. Uh, nine, nine, 12. And so 30 pitches through three, uh, and really no, like, huge disasters there. Uh, of course, gives up um, the home run, but that was really all that happened. Like, it wasn't like he really got beaten up in any any sort of meaningful way. There he, was a there was a there was one long flyout. Uh Jock Pearson had, had a four hundred and eleven foot fly ball that was shades of the Aussie fly ball from last night that was caught by Pache on the warning track in center field. But other than that, it really just was that one swing.
2: Yeah. Uh and you know he I think he did get maybe a little bit of help from the fact that they were playing in what can I can I can you know, only describe as a wind tunnel tonight.
1: Oh, that um, that, because... that drove me. Ab- I mean, I, I know I was ranting about it on Twitter, like like a lunatic. But man, that I was so, I was on very much tilt early on in the game. That it just, it just did not make sense to me whatsoever to play in that. Um, continue. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off. But that that really bothered me. No, well, well no. <laughs> I mean, look.
2: I mean, look. What what should have happened is they shouldn't have sold tickets, and Ugh. because it's all that's already kind of. I mean, I'm I am happy for the fans that have decided to go. I am just very crowds in general. I'm just I'm the I am just going to be anti uh, given given the pandemic and all that stuff. But when you use the like assembling you know, whatever eleven thousand people in the stadium as a reason why you're going to keep the roof open because of the pandemic, those eleven eleven thousand people probably shouldn't be in close proximity to each other.
1: Well, and the thing is, but, it's a playoff situation, and yeah, that that's obviously preposterous. And I agree with you. The biggest thing. That doesn't make sense because, you know, it's just kind of duplicative. Like, you don't... Uh, on one hand, you can't sell tickets and then turn around and claim code right. protocols. But it's also a competitive balance issue. Like, you're literally... It's it's different if you're playing this game in somebody's home ballpark with no, with no roof and you, have, and you have no other option. But you're playing it in a dome. That's one of the reasons why this was held there is because it has a retractable roof to avoid any delays with rain or anything like that. And it wasn't like a breeze. It was 20-mile-an-hour winds, and it was noticeably affecting the outcome of the game. Now, I don't think the Dodgers win the game or anything like that without the wind, but if so, you know, guys couldn't see. Freddie Freeman had to go to goggles and like couldn't see. Kershaw was having trouble seeing. It wasn't just, it wasn't just the Braves guys. There's just no reason whatsoever yep. to have them play in that, that win. I do understand trying to be safe, but you, you, you kind of already crapped on that by selling tickets. So close the roof. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's just so stupid.
2: Yeah, it was just, it was, it was a poor choice. I mean, like, were they going to just leave the roof open? And then if there was rain, not close it. And they were just going to delay, you know, like postpone it for a double header or something. Cause they wouldn't have done that. You that's a, I mean? that, that's like, a great, these, that's these, a these great are, point that i mean that the, these were this is real adverse conditions this wasn't like a light breeze i mean like it was 20 miles an hour winds that were whipping through this place and these guys were expected to pitch it and i just
1: i'm well and your point that you just made is i, w- I want to emphasize what you just said because if it had rained tonight in Arlington they would have closed the roof and the fans would have been in the stands i'm yep. not defending yep. that decision but that, that decision was already made so you can't claim that when unless, you, unless they were planning on literally kicking everyone out of the stadium if it rained, which, they're, which we all know they were not going to do, then close the roof and play. Okay, let's well, not do this chance. anymore, but it was uh, annoying, and we, we agree on that one in a big way. Uh, by the way, a little bit of breaking news on the podcast as, we are, as we're recording here. I'll touch on this later on, but because it just came through, I want to say it now before I forget. Uh, Dustin May will be the starter for the, for the Dodgers on, uh, in Game 5, according to Dave Roberts, so... Just wanted to put that out there. We'll see Dustin May on Friday night. Okay, uh, back to the game itself. We talked about Bryce uh, down one nothing. You know, no panic. It's a one nothing game. The Braves offense is really good and uh, almost on cue. From there, uh, Marcel Ozuna hits a 422 foot monster blast in the fourth inning to tie the game. Yeah. And honestly, it was almost a two run homer because the play before that, Freddie Freeman hit a line out that was graded as an 850 expected batting average. If that ball gets through somehow, it's two to one instead of one to one. But uh, still, Marcel was the offensive star very clearly in this game. We'll fast forward, of course, talk more about him later on. But his line, he was four for five with two home runs. Uh, we've talked about Marcel ad nauseum, but he's just been incredible, and that that continues tonight.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say extend Marcel Ozuna. Uh, you will not find a better DH on the open market. Uh, Obviously, if someone's signing him to be their outfielder, or the DH doesn't exist in the NL next year, which I am pretty skeptical—I'm pretty sure that's just going to be around next year. I would be pretty surprised by it, even though it doesn't sound like any, like we haven't heard anything about it. Um, he, he was great. Uh, now I will say, you know, obviously the the line out from Freddie. Uh, there was a couple other you know Babbitt type things for the Braves that just weren't that didn't go particularly well. Um, that some of that did even out. Uh, partially yes. thanks to you know Christian Pache just being you know kind of insane Your guy, uh, and, you your know, guy your guy and, you know, Christian oh,
1: you, Make, making everyone look silly uh for not playing before this uh, I'll just say that out loud you mean when I was tweeting about it for like a month and I'm like why is this the, uh, yeah this was not the greatest night for uh and we'll keep we'll keep this short this is not the greatest night for the mid september Braves playing Ender N C Arte and pitching Robbie Erlen uh those were not no. decisions that worked out for the Braves no no but it all worked out in the end i guess
2: Yeah, I know. Look, they got the the most important thing is that they got the postseason roster right, and 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 you know what, Pache probably wouldn't be playing a whole lot if it wasn't for Adam Duvall. But you know, just purely from a production standpoint, Pache has been getting giving the Braves more in this series than Duvall was.
0: Oh yeah,
1: I mean, you 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 definitely would have. The only the only thing about Duvall is that the the reason why you really love Duvall is that. He kills left-handed pitching, so the last you know the last two days it would have been nice to have him in the lineup, but not 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 over Pache. It would have been nice to have him over the other spot of Camar- of Camargo or whatever else. So yeah, and, and even yeah. then, Camar- Camargo has been good. Uh, by the way, he's been performing. Yeah, yeah, he hits he, he, yeah, he, he, he looks well. he looks actually much better than I thought. I said that last night too, and so did Scott. But it continued tonight, so uh, that decision was vindicated, I think, for Snit And the fact that Camargo looked crisp in both games riley's defensive woes from last night are over with he looked fine today so uh, that worked out well
2: yeah and you know it's kind of wild because you know like once we get into the fifth inning i was starting to really feel like that you know something was coming you know what i mean because you have like bryce strike out the side which again for a guy who's like they're going. He's going against some of the best lefties in the league, and you know yeah, that was he's just not. A an effort. <laughs> I mean, he just. He, I mean, it was just like he dismissed them, and again, a lot of hard, like a lot of good at bats, you know, from the from the Braves, you know, after after the Ozuna home run, like you know Dar- Darno, who's been like weirdly the worst hitter in the Braves lineup in this series after basically carrying them through the Marlins series. He was probably due for uh, some
1: regression, given the way that yeah, he uh, was sure. unconscious in the last sure. series. But the, yeah, he's not this, a great. The,
2: you'll there is no hatred for darno coming from me <laughs> whatsoever because of how what kind of heater he was on uh like it was just going to happen uh, like he deserves to be carried a little bit but uh it just it that 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 inning of you know like just those at bats combined with what bryce was doing i'm like kind of in the middle of the game it felt like something good was going to be coming and then you know sixth inning happens and bryce gets you know again got hit a little harder but they were outs and then all of a sudden the bottom of the sixth happens and that's when the that's when the fun started
1: yeah you mentioned that I mean I want to ask you before we dive into the offense what you made of it I think we're obviously good with it now in retrospect but there it was a talking point in the moment we are we are a process driven podcast were you good with leaving Bryson to, to start the sixth because that was that was a question I think going into the fifth it wasn't really a question but going into the sixth People were at least talking about it. And he did get hit a little bit harder in that inning. Uh, Two hard hit balls from Barnes and Betts. Um, And then he also let him face Seager, which I was kind of surprised by. That was the one where I got a little squeamish. Granted, there was nobody on and two out, but Seager's just been out of his complete mind. So I might have gone to the bullpen there. He obviously didn't. But where where was your mind at um, throughout that process from top of uh, sort of opening the sixth all the way through that? Were you just on board with Bryce all the way there in the moment, or did that just work out well? Uh, I have no problems letting him see play
2: go, go against Barnes. Uh, and if you let him go against Barnes, it probably makes sense to let him go against Betts. Uh, I mean, look, Mookie Betts is one of the best players in baseball. You know, it's like handedness. You, you basically have to be, are you comfortable with this guy play, going against Betts, whether he's right or left-handed? You just have to, he's the guy. Like he's, Mookie hits everybody. But, you know, like I understand the decision. I, I would have pulled him before Seager though. I will say that. I would have done that. Just because by, at this point, it's a 1-1 game. And you're absolutely right. Seager has just been seeing the ball really well. He, he hit the ball hard a couple times against uh, Bryce too. So it's just kind of uh, – I wouldn't necessarily be – I'd be looking for any sort of advantage I could get from Seager uh, over Seager. Um, but again, you know, just kind of hits a, a la- like a lazy fly ball, and that's pretty much it. So I guess, you know, what do I know?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, same for me. I I wrote that I wrote it down so I would not forget that I said this um, to myself and out loud. But uh, I would have I would have probably not let him face Seager, but it worked out well. And uh, as we said before, you know, six innings, one hit, one one walk, one one run, and five strikeouts. An awesome night for Bryce Wilson. Okay, the bottom of the ha- the bottom half of the sixth was all the fireworks. But I will uh, we'll take a break right now, Eric, to, before we get to all the fun stuff, and then we'll talk about uh, Game Five and beyond in a second. But hold on tight to hear it from our sponsors.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com.
1: All right, Eric. The fun is now here. The bottom of the six. What a tease. What a professional, tease. Professional radio man uh, with the tease there. Uh, I'm mostly kidding, but it was a good place to stop, I think. Um, so, bottom of the sixth, still 1-1. Uh, Ronald Acuna should have walked on what was an absolutely egregious missed <laughs> strike call. Uh, going back to your point earlier about the home plate umpiring in this game. Acuna then scares everybody, because he, he he reaches base on a chopper. He's very fast. But, kind of a weird route he took, running, and he took he, he fell over the bag, landed, and was seemingly, seemingly holding his wrist, and he has a wrist issue, which is not great, to see. Um in the meantime, the ball was thrown into the dugout, so he was actually awarded second base, which was helpful. Um how how terrified were you when Ronnie was laying on the field holding his wrist? Because that was a moment that no one really enjoyed, I don't think.
2: No, I, I didn't didn't enjoy it. In the moment it was obviously really scary. Um I, I think that everyone needs to understand I mean kind of like what we now understand just how hurt Freddie was in the playoffs last year. You know, but Freddie Freddie certainly has gotten a a bigger – got a bigger pass, especially in hindsight with, like, the broken bone. I am firmly convinced that once the World Series ends, like, it's going to be a couple days and we're going to find out that Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to have surgery on his wrist. Like, I think he's really hurt. Um, But it's a matter of, you know, you can't – he can't – it's one of those injuries that he can't make worse. Like, it just has to be repaired. And, like, he's basically swinging a bat with one arm right now and – He's still producing in this line. He's still drawing walks. Is is he hitting the bombs that we're used to hitting, you know, hitting these scorchers that we're used to him hitting? No. But, you know, he's still as good as he is, despite the fact that he can only do so with one hand. So, you know, was it scary? Sure. It was absolutely, it it was truly scary, because despite the fact that he's basically been swinging with one arm, he's been a productive part of this lineup, and he certainly kind of makes things, keeps things going, and has still been working, you know, working good at bats. Uh, with some notable exceptions. And, you know, was it scary? Sure. But, you know, once he stayed... It's kind of one of those things where, that once he stays in the game, and I kind of start thinking about the fact that, you know, by all accounts, he can't... Whatever he's done to his wrist can't be... Like, they they wouldn't be, have been playing him as much as they have if it could be made worse. So, you know, hopefully there's going to... Hopefully it's, you know, not something that lingers, and it really hampers his production. And he's again, he's been he played pretty well the rest of the the rest of the day and was moving around pretty well. And, you know, maybe it was just something that kind of bit him whenever he landed kind of awkwardly, but you know, or swung awkwardly or whatever, but you know, again, it was pretty scary.
1: Yeah. So he got, he got up eventually stayed in the game. Uh, Hopefully he's fine. I tend to agree. He is probably more hurt than we know, but uh, from that point forward in the inning it was, it was good news. Um, It's helpful that he was standing on second base, um, but he probably would have scored anyway. Freddie doubles, to give the Braves a 2-1 lead right on cue. Freddie doing Freddie things. He was very good in this game as well. Not as good as Ozuna, but who was? <laughs> Freddie was still really good. Uh, still nobody out, by the way, as well. So essentially, Freddie and Ronald uh, changed places. Freddie's on second. And then Ozuna doubles to 3-1. So three batters, two runs. Um, I will say this. This is a uh, a Dave Roberts skeptical podcast. And I'm not complaining. I'll say this now. I'll say this now I'm not complaining. But Dave Roberts did a terrible... Job in this game, and if I'm hosting a Dodgers podcast, yes. I'm losing my mind yes. because
2: first of all, <laughs> there were, first of all, there were def- there were definitely some friends of ours in the SB Nation world that certainly weren't particularly happy. Yeah,
1: I follow I follow some people that cover the Dodgers or always Dodgers observers, and they were uh, echoing this as well. But this is a really obvious one. This is you know this is not super nuanced. You know we we go deep dive nuance on this podcast for the Braves. This is a really obvious one. Clayton Kershaw clearly did not have it anymore at that point in time, in my view. But even if he did, like you cannot let a left hander face Ozuna in that spot with nobody out in the man on second. And you're already losing. Ozuna slugged eight sixty-seven this season against left-handed pitching. Slugged. Not OPS, was, Eric. Not OPS. I didn't know I didn't know he was that good against lefties, but when when you posted that earlier today, I was just like, Good God. I checked it twice. <laughs> That's a real number. Uh, and Kershaw again was not like he was Kershaw was pretty good in this game until until the sixth. But by, by that point, he was not himself anymore, I don't think. And uh, again, not complaining, but that was a really bad decision. And Ozuna, Ozuna makes him pay. Um, that was the end of Kershaw, a batter too late. But the, the Braves are still up 3-1. There was a liner then by Darno that was caught by Betts, actually, to keep Ozuna at second, which was unfortunate. But then uh, Ozzy singles. Ozuna had to hold up, and that was not his fault. He's not a great base runner by any means, but no one scores on that play with a, with where it was hit and how softly it was hit. So that's not really on him. Still first and third with one out now for Swanson. And it's, th- again, the Braves leading 3-1. Before before we analyze what, what became a double to break the game open a little bit, John Smoltz wanted a safety squeeze. Were you listening to the podcast yep. at this point yep. in time?
2: I, I, heard, I heard about it. I wasn't okay. watching the podcast, so, but I didn't
1: uh, hear about it. I did I did watch this. Um, I, can, I can confirm it happened. Um <sighs> Charitably, he did say that it had to, it had to be executed well. But Dansby Swanson, I know he's a shortstop, but the guy slugged four sixty four this year. He has real power. He's your number six hitter in a lineup with a DH, and the guy at the and the guy pitching is throwing 100 miles an hour. And by the way, this is my this is this is my favorite part. Ozuna is at third, who is like not a good runner. Like, what are we doing? Uh, a, a a generous description, not Tyler, a good runner. Ozuna at third, and like yeah i just i don't know i, I we won't run anymore i just want to make sure I, we said that I, out loud because people were asking us at the moment like put put that on the podcast outline I'm like yep yeah, i promise we will and uh we did that was comical i said it at the moment it's not revisionist uh it was very bad to squeeze there if they did that i would have been very upset fortunately they didn't and dansby i will say this it, there was some good fortune there dansby's um that ball was not murdered by Dansby. It was placed in a very good place down the left field line. It had a 220 ex- expected batting average, um, but it clears the bases because Ozzy Albies was flying. <laughs> I mean, in, in typical Ozzy fashion. Yeah, he, he was, I mean, whew. you know, helmet off. Yeah, just, helmet you know, flies like, off as usual, but he, he, was, he was booking in a big way. As soon first. as that ball cleared the infield, Ozzy was going home. Yeah. Like, that's. Oh, it wouldn't like, have mattered if, if was Rob Washington kind of had, would, would have had to tackle him. Honestly, would have, would have had to literally tackle him at third base, or he's, yep. gone, or he's going, and uh, it wasn't that close either. So credit to him; like he didn't make it. It wasn't like a terrible relay or anything like that. They just had no chance to get him. He was flying that fast, and it's five to one at that point in time. The game's broken up, and clearly that was that was the game winning game winning sequence. In retrospect, uh, moments later, Austin Riley adds on with a single up the middle to six to one, and then another Dave Roberts move that I. This is the one I don't understand.
2: What are you? I mean, like this feels like you did read the scouting reports.
1: This goes back to what what we we said on the preview podcast for this series, and that this is this is this is the rare time when I I openly thought before the series began, and so did Scott, and I think we all did, that Bryant Snicker' tactical challenges that he may have is not a disadvantage in this series. In fact, it's been a pretty big advantage for the Braves so far. Um, Dave Roberts brings in a left-handed reliever. To face the trio of Johan Camargo, who is much better from the right side, Christian Pache, who is a right-handed hitter who's better against lefties, and then Ronald Acuna, who doesn't really have a platoon split but he's still right-handed. Um, I don't understand why why that happened. And on on cue, he walks Camargo and Pache singles, and it's seven to one. So that did that lose the game for the Dodgers? No, it did not. But man, I've, again, if that happens to if Snit, if Snit does that, I am losing my mind. And it happened. So,
2: and, and it made them less likely to win the game because the first two batters, which are the two guys which really matters this this sort of handedness issue, walked, and then Pache drove in another run. You know what I mean? And the, yeah, I mean they're they're already losing there, thought, and I
1: get that. But the, the game's not yeah. over. They're, I mean, at six one, the game is not over by any means. Like you can't just be punting there. Not I'm not saying they were they, they threw a good reliever. The guy that, the guy they brought in is a good pitcher, but you didn't need to go to a lefty there. I just don't understand that process whatsoever. Like Camargo, I, mean, I know only... I know Camargo is a switch hitter, but everyone knows he's better is better as a right-handed batter. And then Pache, the sample size is small, but just the bare minimum is to not give him the platoon advantage. I don't know.
2: It's it's it seems like they have a very they have to have a very specific plan for tomorrow that they Maybe. want to employ. And I mean, it, did they punt? Maybe not, but I think that the, the good guy, the guys that they didn't mind rolling out there today as among their good relievers was maybe felt a little set in stone. And if that's the case, I mean, I don't know With that lineup. <laughs> I would try to be keep making it, keep it as close as possible. Cause as we saw in game two, game three for that matter, like that offense can just out of nowhere score 10 runs, like no problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I,
1: I mean honestly to to to, that, to this point we were all uncomfortable with the Braves up 7 to 1 not that I was terrified but this is the kind of offense as we saw yesterday that is capable of coming back from 7 to 1 down you know 10 to 2 a little bit different yep. all that stuff but uh it's telling that smart people <laughs> weren't were not comfortable at 7 to 1 um and we saw a little bit of that in the 7th as we moved to the 7th inning now after the 6th was tremendous Will Smith comes in, and Will Smith, who who had who had actually been great in the playoffs so far, was not great in this game. He had not pitched since Monday, and by the way, yeah. they brought in Markakis on defense at, in left field, which was fine. Riley Riley went to third, um, but it, this was this is all about Smith not being crisp. So he gets up a single to Justin Turner, and honestly, that was a just a great at bat by Turner. He's a great hitter and really yep. worked like a twelve pitch at bat and just lined single. That was not that was not a big problem, but an ugly like really bad four-pitch walk to Max Muncy that got Chris Martin up in the bullpen right away. Another long at-bat from there. Did get a fly out from A.J. Pollock, but that that ball was hit 400 feet um, to the warning track against Smith. And that was the third batter, so he could have taken Smith out at that point. Now, to counter that, it was Cody Bellinger coming up next, and even with Smith not cooking in, at, at his best level, Bellinger is the one guy, really, of the, all the starters that actually have at least they're star players, that actually has a big platoon split. I know Peterson does as well, but he's like more of a rotation guy for them. Um, But Bellinger, you want to face him with a lefty. I know Martin is good against lefties too, but ideally you would like to see a lefty there. So I was okay staying with Smith to face Bellinger, but he walks him too to load the bases. It was just not Will Smith's night. I'm not panicking about Will Smith personally, but are, are you worried about Will Smith at all?
2: No, I mean he hadn't pitched in, you know, hadn't pitched in three days, and just like the 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 biggest problem is he just couldn't command his slider, and like the Dodgers knew it. Like after he threw, threw like those first three and like did not come close to throwing a strike with it, like they just never offered at it, not once. And you know, and he kept throwing it, so you know that's kind of where he kind of got himself in trouble because you know if you're not gonna if you're not gonna throw strikes with your slider, they're not gonna swing at it. And then when you're not really commanding your fastball either, he just he was just off. Like it wasn't like a no. It wasn't a disaster uh, i will say i will say on that pollock i mean i, I understand that that ball got to the warning track but the expecting batting average on that one was point zero seven zero. Yeah, it was a high so ball. it was, it was so, not like crushed yeah, yeah. by any means
1: i'm glad you said that yeah i
2: mean i mean well there were some local writers who shall rename nameless that was like talking about how like the only reason that the game wasn't a seven one oh. game was
1: because of the wind and, <laughs> Yeah. that was that yeah
2: and that's just inaccurate <laughs> It's also you know not where I
1: mean? it's also not where the wind was blowing like that's there there were yeah. some wind aided or um wind um resistant plays in this game that was not one that change the outcome of that play. Especially if you looked at the sack-ass data, which I'm sure people um, were not looking at necessarily, but I am with you. That was not like a crushed ball that he got really lucky on. It was more of a routine fly ball, but it was a little bit scary. When it was up in the air anyway. But yeah, Smith, I, I think is going to be fine. Hopefully pitches better than he did today. But you know, early in the year, I know Smith has really struggled, but not so quietly, he was pretty dominant for like se- seven appearances yep. in a row. So he's a really good he's a really good pitcher. It happens sometimes you don't have your stuff, and I'm, uh, I'm not terribly worried. So, <laughs> this is the one negative part of the entire game that want we have to talk about, just because it's our brand. They bring in Chris Martin, which is the right decision, after Smith walks Bellinger. It's a no-brainer. He looks bad. You have Martin ready to go. But, Brian Snicker jumps out of the dugout too quickly before the pinch hitter is announced. So, the Dodgers have a pinch hitter ready to go. was going to be Will Smith. Um, catcher and also good baseball player, Will Smith for the Dodgers. And everyone knows it. He's about to come out, uh, but he's not been announced yet. And Snicker for whatever reason, just got overexcited and made the pitching change before it was announced. So you bring in Chris Martin, which they were always going to do. There was people that were misunderstanding this and saying, well, they were bringing in Martin anyway. I'm like, yeah, we all know they're bringing in Martin anyway. The problem is it was going to be Martin against Will Smith, not against Rios and it didn't end up biting them, but that was a—that's just a terrible mistake. I mean, it didn't—it didn't kill them, but even even people that don't criticize Snicker were just like, "Guys, that was really bad." Like, and it was—it was a egregious, just knucklehead mistake by the manager. And it's again, it doesn't—the impact is marginal now, fortunately for them. But they got to save um, Smith for later. They had a left-hander in Rios face Martin, and then they got to pinch hit Smith later on, which didn't burn them. But man. That's the kind of thing that just can't happen in that spot. I, I, I don't know. That's all I have to say about it. It was just a moment that you have to discuss because it, it could have gone very, very wrong for them.
2: Well, yeah. And the thing is, is like all these little advantages or disadvantages kind of add up, you know, when it comes to like bullpen management, you know, obviously the difference between like a good, a good righty reliever versus a good lefty reliever, you know, in terms of handedness. A lot of times the difference is only a little bit, but you know you keep giving teams extra chances and things like this. Like because now what happens in this particular situation is they get to keep the guy Rios in, who's uh, get to to face to face Martin who, who matches righties, yeah, yeah, and, ha- righties. and has already and has already hit a home run in this game, and then you get them let them sub out Barnes for Smith cleanly, and you know and in a situation where there's a bunch of base runners, and uh, like thanks to Ozzy being in a good spot, you know, yeah. he catches this line drive, but like the, the Dodgers could have put up multiple runs there. And oh yeah. It I mean, because that, and, think about and, it. And that, do we think that, that, that do we think that Barnes puts up that same a bat against Martin. No, I'm pretty skeptical about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, think about Think about the, the way the, the way the ending, the ending ended, the ending, the ending ends at seven to two with the bases loaded. Like I, I know the Braves are up five runs and I I got a few responses. Like why do you make such a big, that, big deal that, out of this? The Braves are up five runs. It's like, I know they're up five runs, but it's the littlest, most obvious thing in the world. Like everyone knows what's about to happen, including Brian Snicker. They're about to pinch hit Will Smith. He's in the on deck circle, ready to go. They know it's going to happen. Just wait. I mean, fifteen seconds is all you have to do. Wait for the name to be announced, then go out there. It's something that Brian Snicker's done a hundred times. This is a thousand times, maybe. This is not a like nuanced thing. It's just something you do. Like no, yeah, <laughs> and. and...
2: And it was very clearly just like it was just a mistake, right? Like it's yeah, not like it ha- you know, like I mean it, it happens, but it's a rule. bad yeah. it's
1: bad, man. It's a bad mistake. It's a bad mistake. Yeah.
2: And but now that we're actually talking about this as like, you know, probably the worst thing that Snicker has done in this series. Then, uh, I mean, there I, there have been a couple I, I things
1: like, I don't think I don't think he's been as good as he was in the first two series. I, I do agree that like it's not like Snit's been a big negative. We just no, did a couple oh, of rants so. about how the you know very clear the Braves have been better managed in this series than the Dodgers so it's not like Snit's killing them i just wanted to yeah because Roberts has been terrible he, he has been <laughs> and there's no question about it and i think Snit's done a perfectly fine job i'm not i'm not piling on i know we've done that in the past at times about Snit this was one that was so preventable and like such a automatic easy thing to do that doing it wrong was notably bad and honestly if this wasn't likely to happen but if smith hits a grand slam there like we're talking about that forever I mean, literally forever. <laughs> so he gets bailed out by the fact that they didn't give up any runs in that inning. Um, or was it one, was it one run? I can't remember if they, gave up, if they gave up one or not. But regardless, they it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things, and I'm glad it didn't matter. I'll, I'll stop ranting.
2: Yeah, and again, you know, like it ends up being a pretty, you know, ends up getting fixed pretty tightly. And that was probably the tensest moment left in the game for the Braves. Oh yeah, 7-2 you know, I mean, basis like, loaded, definitely. Like, yeah. I mean cuz you you know after cuz after that and that that was where like, that that 7 that that 7-2 lead felt like a one-run lead right there. Cuz again, this is the kind of offense that you give them an opportunity and all of a sudden, you know, they just put up a bunch of runs and then then it's like a tie game or, you know, it's like super close. But instead, you know, like, you know, they're defensively put in the right spot. And then they get back to the, you get to the bottom of the seventh and Ozuna just decides to make sure to get that run right back. And, you know, it was kind of off to the races after that.
1: Yeah. I'm with you though. That was the only, really the only tense moment, um, after the Braves explosion in the sixth was that moment they got out of it. Um, and added some insurance in a hurry in the next inning, Marcel Ozuna with a leadoff home run. It's eight to two. Um, the last time a Brave hit it, hit two home runs in the same playoff game was Chipper in two thousand and three, so a long time ago. Uh, Marcel's been yeah, great. We've talking. talked about that forever. Uh, he also tacked on another uh, RBI single in the eighth in the next inning to put up to put the Braves up ten to two after Freddie added an insurance run. Tyler Matic pitched well. Um, he, he, he did give up a le- give up a double to Justin Turner, but he came in in the eighth, pitched great, um, d- did his job, and then. After the Braves scored two runs of insurance in the eighth, which were nice, they didn't have to have them, but they it was nice to ha- nice to see they had Melanson up when it was eight to two. They scored two runs and then they got Green up and used him instead of Melanson, um, which I was fine with. Uh, Bellinger did have one home run level swing, a four hundred and ten foot fly ball to center that he thought was gone, but if that goes out of the ballpark, it's ten to three with one out in the ninth, and you're totally fine. Um, did you have any thoughts about? You know, obviously they wanted to save Melanson for tomorrow. Green is now the only guy in the pen that's pitched two days in a row, so maybe he's unavailable. But, again, they're kind of treating Green like a mop-up guy right now, which you can litigate that. I'm not really sure when or why Shane Green is now like Jacob Webb, (laughs) but apparently he is. I'm not really sure when that happened, but it's now the case, it it feels like.
2: Yeah, it seems like he's kind of like – he's not the guy you want to be pitching, throwing out there when you're losing – but you don't like but it doesn't seem like they want to put them out there when he's close. And he's it's now a, a little leverage
1: situation. guy, pretty clearly, according to yeah, the usage. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but like you know, but I I don't think I've never really seen him like pitching in like, you know, like when the Braves are down like eight to three and stuff like that. So I I mean it's it is definitely a weird situation. Um and not sure if it's completely justified, but you know the Braves have a lot of really good bullpen arms, which is kind of part of the problem. Because you know they also, they I mean they used they used Martin and they used Smith in this game too when they were had a pretty substantial lead. So you know, it maybe felt, it just felt like Snit kind
1: of, just wanted to win this one. Like he
2: was going to play. It was super important to get this one. And you know what? I don't think he's wrong. No, I, I, I was going to say I, one.
1: I agree. I don't think that was bad at all, honestly. And you know, we're I, I've definitely talked about the fact that Snit's use guys too aggressively in a regular season at these kind of moments but in this spot after not using any of them yesterday it was perfectly fine to me up six because of because of the Dodgers you know you're up five up five or six runs it's a lot but the Dodgers can score on you I was totally fine using Smith and Matzik and Martin I really was at 10 to 2, I'm also fine using green and not using Melanson. Like I, Melanson warmed up. He threw a lot of pitches in the bullpen. That does matter on some on some level, but it's still better that he didn't pitch in the game tonight, because you're gonna need everybody you can get your hands on tomorrow, as we'll talk about in a second. So that was handled well, I think. I had no issues with it whatsoever. Um unlike earlier in the series when they used Tomlin for no reason in that spot. Um Green is perfectly fine, especially because Green pitched yesterday. So it wasn't like he uh which I didn't I didn't like Green going yesterday, but no more rants about that. Um, anything from any, anything from the game that you want to get to before we before we look ahead a little bit to Game Five, and it's going to be a weird Game Five. But uh, final thoughts on the game?
2: Uh, Christian Pache is really good at defense. Uh, that is. makes me feel pretty good. Uh, he's made some made some big time plays, including on that ball that Bellinger hit, which makes me feel good because Bellinger has stolen a couple, you know, a couple high uh, expected batting average hits from the Braves in this series. So you know. Being able to, you know, return the favor to him was nice. Beyond that, I mean, just you know, the thing that I've been saying this entire offense, this entire postseason, is that when this offense shows up, they can beat anybody. And you know, they they were relentless tonight. Like you know, they had their big inning, which is it seems like they always have. Like in some degree, uh, an inning where they kind of just, you know, string together a bunch of offense and, you know, they'll score three or four runs. Uh, whether or not that extends throughout the course of the game is a little bit sketchier at times, but they were relentless tonight. They they score a bunch of runs in the sixth, and they just kept tacking on extra runs here and there, which is exactly, how, like, what they need to be doing. And if that's the case, I mean, like, look, the Dodgers are a really good baseball team, but you would think that, the based on how some of the national media has been talking about, That this like, and even in the broadcast booth, they're just like, you know, like that this is like some weird eighth seed that is like, you know, screwing up their TV programming. This this Braves team's really good, uh, and their offense is legitimately like great. And I think that, you know, what we saw tonight was just, you know, how how dangerous. I mean, like their best hitter from the last series has done basically nothing in this one, and other than like for three innings, they have outplayed the Dodgers. Yep. In this entire like, I mean, like, like they're the, the obviously the first two innings yesterday were god awful. I mean, like no one, no one, no one's arguing that. No one is, but those two innings and then the ninth inning in game two where they almost came back. But other than that, the Braves have beaten up on this Dodgers team, like full stop. And it's a, kind of a testament to kind of what the team they built, and you have to feel really good given how everyone's playing. Uh, how they've had things lined up now where, I mean, obviously you have the bullpen game tomorrow, but you know, you have guys on regular rest. Like you just have to win one of the next three now.
1: Yep. That's all you have to do. The, uh, the models, a couple of the models are out and the Braves are like somewhere between like, you know, 80 to 85% favorites in the series, which makes sense. You know, the Dodgers are certainly capable of winning it. This is not over by any means. I think we, I've said that, but in case, in case we didn't make, make, that, make that very clear, this is not over. The Dodgers are very good, and 3-1 is not 4-1. This is not over. Um, the Braves, though, are big favorites. We can acknowledge that. Um, in the series, they should win it at this point in time. They are the favorites. Uh, hopefully, they don't um, not win it. We'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, game 5, 9.08 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday, because Houston had the nerve to win today to uh, hurt, hurt all of our sleep schedules. So um, that'll be a fun one. Uh, before game, you guys, you
2: guys have fun. Yeah, I mean, it's,
1: it'll be me and Scott, I think, tomorrow night. Uh, I,
2: I have a tentative willingness to be on the podcast if the, the, the result tomorrow was favorable, but we'll see how it goes.
1: We'll see how that goes. Uh, so, yeah, before game four started, Snicker announced that Max Fried was not an option for game five, which is okay. You know, it is what it is. And in fact, and it didn't matter. Like, it would have been a talking point if the Braves had lost tonight because. The whole time, I assumed personally, if the Braves were up three one, they were not going to use Freed in Game Five. If it had been two two, and they're not sending Freed out there in Game Five, it would have been at least more questionable. But Snicker got at, got got out in front of that and announced it beforehand. Um, I'm assuming you're okay with this, but what do you, what do you think about Freed not pitching tomorrow?
2: Um, I'm probably I think it, considering how things have gone. Like I, I wish they had just said I wasn't. I'm not, I'm not going to announce anything and just like not feel like that, that it was set in stone, because I feel like you kind of you. It would probably be a good idea to keep him, keep him on short rest as at least an option. Like we starting him on game five as on short rest as an option. But I mean, it's obviously working out well for him in this particular situation. Because now you have a bunch of rested bullpen guys. I would not be shocked. For game five if we see some sort of roster move where like a guy is just taking off the roster
1: i mean Bill, that came up yesterday I, and i'm curious to know if they're actually able to because i feel like the dodgers might throw a fit if they did that because obviously dayton would be the obvious name um because he was so bad and pitched so many innings and we sort of joked about that yesterday i i think that Without an obvious injury, the Dodgers would cry foul, and probably rightly so, if they did that. Um, also, I'm not sure who the Braves would go to. <laughs> they don't really have another arm that they'd trust, very clearly, like Sean Newcomb or Mike Fultonavich are not guys that they seem to trust right now. I'm with you in theory, and I it, I feel like that if they were going to do that, though, they would have done it yesterday. Because if you wait a day now, like I'm not really sure what you can claim as an injury to replace a guy. Like You can't say that Dayton got hurt Between last night and tonight. Does that
2: make sense? Hey, he he experienced some soreness after the game and upon further (laughs) evaluation.
1: I mean, they, they absolutely
2: could do it. And by the way, they probably would do it to this Dodgers team. I mean, like you know, the the Dodgers announced like it's not like Clayton Kershaw's back issues are are like you know news, and all of a sudden they announced like three hours before the game that Gonsolin's going to be starting. And... Well, they
1: also, but they they also they also didn't replace him on the roster. That's the thing, because well, yeah, the, the roster move is definitely a, it's definitely a difference. That's that, that's a that's a step further because obviously it wouldn't be the biggest deal in the world. The only ramification for the Braves then would be you know you lose Dayton for the World Series, but that isn't a huge deal. Oh darn. Whereas, but but you know what I mean, like and that's and that's why if I'm the Dodgers and the Braves do that, I am flipping my lid. Like that that, that would be a serious uh, stare down in terms of uh, the fallout there, which is why I don't think the Braves are going to do that. And and again, if they were going to do that, they would have done it already. I think before today, so I'm expecting that not to happen. I mean, that was an idea people were talking about last night, and I I get why. I just think practically speaking, they're not going to do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, all, all your points are valid. I am, I am certain that the Braves are at least considering it as an option, just having a fresh arm. Uh, now, whether or not it's, you know, in practice, it's a good idea uh, or even one that's going to pass muster uh, in a lot of ways. But, you know, in terms, of, in terms of their options for five, I mean, like, I almost think – I mean, everyone just knows it's going to be a bullpen game. By the way, it's going to be a bullpen game on both sides. I know they've announced Dustin May as the starter – And he has started games. He has not started a game since the end of September.
1: Yeah, he's not gonna go out and pitch six innings tomorrow, I don't think. I mean Dustin May is gonna throw maybe two. Yeah, dustin May is notably better than the option the Braves have tomorrow, but that doesn't mean that he's gonna go out and throw seven innings. Like it's an advantage for the Dodgers, but I'm inclined to go on your side here. It's more of a bullpen game than you might think for LA. I mean Okay, let's talk about the options real quick, because people were asking us to go into this a little. Um, Kyle Wright is an option, because he didn't pitch very many uh, pitches. By the way, I'm reading this, I've not, I've not seen the uh, video because we've been recording, but a uh, friend of the program, Grant McCauley, tweets that Kyle Wright is going to be available. Snip did not commit to using him, but he's going to be available, and it looks like the only guys who are unavailable for tomorrow are Enoa, which is not a huge surprise, and Dayton. Um so, I guess even Green can pitch three days in a row if in in, in a situation. I, I guess they're comfortable with that based on what Snitzer said. Um, so, we'll see. Uh, let's start here. Would you use right? Okay, this is this is a hard question. I'll, I'll, I'll preface this. This is a hard question for you to answer without any information, but would you think about using right tomorrow? Because we don't know the situation. We don't, we don't know his arm. We don't know his confidence level in the team, but. Knowing all of that, would you use Kyle Wright tomorrow? Would you plan on using him tomorrow?
2: I'd certainly consider it. I think it'd be—he's an, an interesting option, but not to start the game. Um, I think that maybe using a lefty opener uh, to Winter? possibly, kind of, yeah, Minter wouldn't be the worst, wouldn't be the worst notion to me. Um,
1: what well, you assume I mean, he the, could, uh, well, might be able to go two innings too, because you know, it might be an opener. The guys who can go multiple innings is interesting to me because it normally would be Matzik, but he pitched today, so I'm not sure he's going to go multiple innings tomorrow. Um, Minter did not pitch today. That's a guy to circle. Uh, They could use Jacob Webb for multiple innings. I mean, they have Josh Tomlin, but I agree with you, actually. If you were going to use Wright, I would probably not start him and just go the opener route. I'm not sure if Snit will do that, but I kind of like that. If Wright's available, I would go to him as my long man before I would go to Tomlin if right is available we, we don't know that we don't know where his arm is but if he's good to go and you have confidence confidence in him I'd rather see him trotting out of the bullpen in the second inning than Tomlin
2: yeah and again like it's you know the, the, the one consideration and I just don't have a good answer for it is what do the Dodgers do with their lineup in a situation where it's a pretty obviously going to be a bullpen game I mean, the, the logical thing is just, you know, line up your, you know, line up your best nine guys, alternate handedness where you can. You know what I mean? Um, yeah,
1: they, they have a line actually in the preview pod. the, the in the first two series, they kind of played the same guys every day. There was one spot they were alternating, but they do kind of have a standard lineup. We haven't seen it in this series cause they've just, they, it kind of gotten weird, but they have eight regular guys that they just play and they could just go to those guys. Um, like, Smith will be in there because uh, it was Barnes today because of Kershaw. He's, he's, he's Kershaw's personal catcher. But Smith will be back in there. And they kind of have studs. The only decision that they really have to make is, like, does Jock Peterson start or not? Because everybody else that they start just kind of starts most of the time. Order-wise, might be interesting. But, you know, Betts, Muncy, Bellinger, like these, Turner, like, Smith, those guys are all playing. And then... Maybe Chris Taylor. I, I assume Chris Taylor's playing because they. Uh, Roberts was asked why he didn't play today. He said he was giving him quote a blow end quote. So I don't, I'm not sure why you need a day off in the playoffs, but yeah. okay.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it, interesting phrasing, and not sure why you give one of your best offensive players a day off when you like yeah. a, a game by way you have to win. So um. he'll be
1: in there tomorrow, I assume. But I, I agree, it's it's kind of a weird spot for them. They have to kind of just play down the middle. They can't load up in the way that they might be able to, but. Honestly, my overarching opinion about game five right now from the outside looking in is that we, we don't know. People are asking us what, what we would do, what they're going to do. I genuinely have no idea. I know that everyone's on the table. It's going to be weird. It's going to be extreme playoff baseball with no one pitching more than like three innings tomorrow. Like They have everybody available. Melanson, we'll see Minter. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see everybody. I mean, <laughs> everyone that's available is going to be available yeah. and the best guys it's will that- pitch. We'll see.
2: Yeah, the, the 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 game will the, how the game goes will dictate the choices that are made. Well, um, yeah, and, and know, if the Braves get, get down early,
1: yeah, I mean if they get down early, then it's interesting because the fact that they're up three one, there is maybe a point where you go to Tomlin if they're down five nothing in the third inning. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Hopefully, it doesn't. But there are considerations for the future, whereas the Dodgers obviously have to treat this game like it's the end of the world, because they if they lose, they go home. So there are two different sides. This is not a Game 7 where both teams are in all-in mode. The Braves don't have to be all-in mode tomorrow. They have Max Free going in Game 6, they have the advantage in the series, so that's part of this as well. The Dodgers cannot leave anything on the table, and the Braves, if they were to fall behind, especially tomorrow, could pivot a little bit to save the arms mode not all the way you don't want to you definitely don't want to, don't want to punt but if we see tomlin i think it's probably because they're losing just a guess that seemed,
2: yeah no that's that seems prob. that seems pretty fair i think um i will say that the Dodgers kind of find themselves in a bit of a spot with their bullpen because i mean they've got they've yeah. got may who they've saved but you know Gradual, who throws hundred, he's not like that's the one guy where you know if a guy's throwing hundred, like you know like how much how many back to backs do you really want to let that guy throw, especially since he wasn't very good today. Um, and then you have Alex Wood, who pitched on back to back days, and you know the rest of their bullpen's a little dicey. And then Trinan, who's the guy who like tried to close the game out or was at least their ninth inning guy in game one, hasn't pitched since then. I mean like they're kind of in a weird spot with like what they're supposed to be doing in their bullpen. I mean, like the Kenley Jensen's is kind of like their guy that they use when the game's like, you know, basically what they what the Braves are using Shane Green for is just, you know, like games that aren't in doubt at all. Um it's a weird it's a weird situation, man. Like I I don't know I think that the, the Dodgers are going to be having some harder choices to make honestly than the Braves are just cuz one they're they're the ones that are down 3-1 so like they have to kind of like every decision is like for their lives. Um, whereas the Braves can kind of, you know, they can fudge things a little bit. They like, you know, it doesn't necessarily, those early decisions aren't going to feel as, um, as critical. And, you know, if the Braves get down early, then they can kind of start preserving some guys for the rest of the series. Cause the Braves only have to win one of the next three. Right. Whereas, you know, and you know, I, I, I know that on paper, you know, Dustin may throws the easiest hundred miles an hour. You'll see, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's, it's he has a great ridiculous. Arm. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild, but you know he has not thrown more than two innings since the end of September, and after that, like, how, where these innings are going to come from for the Dodgers? I don't know if those matchups work out very well for the, for, for them against the Braves. The, like, they do I have, like the Braves tomorrow.
1: Yeah, they do have depth, but the Dodgers are not in the greatest spot. You would think. By how it's discussed, and I'm probably guilty of this too, that they're in this great spot. But they're they're really not in terms of pitching. The Braves are in a weirder spot, probably, just given the fact that they don't even have May to announce to start the game tomorrow. Unless they do, unless they go to right, that's definitely in play. If they start right tomorrow, I won't be I won't be terribly shocked. But the Braves have a deep, talented bullpen, and everybody is available that really matters, with the potential exception of Green. So yeah, I mean we'll see an all in game. It's been it's strange to view this. This is not a situation the Braves have been in a ton in the recent past where it's a literal bullpen game tomorrow on the biggest stage. So, predictions are uh foolhardy, I will say, in terms of who's going to pitch tomorrow. If the game is close, we will see all the big guns. That's my only prediction is if the game is competitive, we, didn't, everyone's all bets pitching are off, yep. Yeah. Yep. Especially with free, especially with free ready to go in the next game. um, You can have, you can be even more aggressive than, um than you might otherwise be. But if you're losing, you could also pedal off. As, as we both said, you can kind of play it by ear and it's going to be, the game script is more of a football term, but that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking of right now in my head. It, it depends a lot of what happens early on in this game as to, re, as to how the rest of it's going to go. So we'll see, Eric. That's my, uh, my analysis is, is we'll see. Great stuff by me. I mean, that's, yeah, the, in in
2: terms of the the who's going to get used and when and all that stuff, I mean it's True. there's some there's so many variables. <laughs> and, and, like, what, you know, because like the, what's what's being planned right now is like if we open with this guy, how do the you know how do the daughters counter that, and what do they like? There's there's some like four dimensional chess that's currently happening. Oh yeah, you know, and I, I hope and, by like, the way, I
1: hope the front office is involved as well. This, this should this this oh, should be yeah. a very uh, nuanced decision making tree in the next you know. 15 hours, however long they're going to take here. Everyone should be in play. Analytics guys should be in play. This is a team wide decision as to how they're going to approach tomorrow. And there should be a plan. Granted, the plan might get thrown out in a hurry, but they have, they have to approach it with some sort of uh, model for tomorrow.
2: Well, especially when you consider that Dave Roberts is making the decisions on the other side. And if you, <laughs> like, you, know, you know, like, if you can, if you can make him make some bad decisions about like, you know, like switching guys out for pinch hitters and, you know, matchups and stuff like that. Like, and he's shown that he is absolutely capable of doing that. You know, like I hope that there's a lot of be- thought being kind of put into what the game plan is. Cause you can, you can make him make some poor choices. You can, just yeah, true.
1: I tend to agree. Um, yeah, so the Braves are favored. We'll see what happens in Game 5. I was looking at, um, while we are talking, to try to see if what the uh, odds were for tomorrow, and nobody really has them out yet because of the pitching. Um, sportsbooks do not want to post odds on a game where they don't know who's going to pitch in it, so I don't blame them for, at all for that. We'll see. I expect the Dodgers to probably be favored in Vegas when the game begins, but uh, that doesn't really matter, as we saw tonight. So, Eric, any final thoughts um, ahead of what's going to be a very long night on Friday evening?
2: The Braves are one win away from the World Series, everybody. So yes, they are. this is this is like rarefied air in terms of sports fandom. Uh there's a couple franchises that seemingly are constantly in this position, but for most this is this is something worth enjoying. Uh yeah, the Braves only have to win one of three. I really like their chances. Uh I picked the Braves in seven. Um You did my my suspicion is that this isn't going to go seven, but we'll you know I I'm certainly not going to tempt the Atlanta sports gods as I knock on this wooden table next to me, uh, but I I really do like the Braves' chances. They've been playing incredibly well in this series. Um, you know I the Braves sweeping just never felt like it was going to be coming, but I'm certainly glad that you know some of the area to national level writers who we're writing and, and tweeting some pretty embarrassing things after the game yesterday uh, are having to rethink what their narratives are going to be for after this one.
1: Yeah. I think uh, if you look at these strictly, this is my role in the podcast. If you look at the strict math probability projection angle here, I think Braves in six is now the projected outcome in the series. Uh, they could win it in five, certainly if they win tomorrow. Um, but that's just, I'm just going to present the information. I'm not, I'm not doing any analysis at all. That is the model projection right now is Braves in six uh, between the advantage of three one and the fact that Freed's pitching on, on uh, what day is it right now? Saturday. So I'll leave it there. Eric, thank you as always for joining me on the podcast. Um, we will be talking again in the near future. Even if you're not here tomorrow night, because Scott is no. tabbed for this specific occasion, because I, honestly, if I had to project the over under on start time, not, not finish time, start time of the podcast tomorrow I would say 130 p.m sorry 1 130 a.m eastern time so yeah uh,
2: you'll have a tough time keeping me off the podcast if tomorrow goes well or today I guess
1: yeah i uh and anyway, it goes without saying uh I'll try to talk around this but if if the Braves are victorious we will have several more podcasts coming after that so it's not as if um we're gonna close up shop if they happen to win tomorrow. Also, also um,
2: true. Also true.
1: But we'll pivot and talk about that then. We will not talk about that now. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening, everybody. I really appreciate it. It's now 1 a.m. We've just reached the hour mark on the podcast, and uh, we're signing off now. Eric, thank you. Subscribe to the podcast, everyone. Check out the site. There's plenty of written content up at TalkingShop.com. Check all that out. We'll see you once again after Game Live.